Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And now. Live on 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app is Anthony Heron. We are here for the Bears post-post show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Like the big voice guy said to you there, I'm Anthony Heron. The Bears go down at home at Soldier Field. Final score, Minnesota Vikings 19, Chicago Bears 13. A game where neither offense really got a lot rolling consistently throughout, but the Vikings were able to hold on in the fourth quarter and come out with the win in the game. Kirk Cousins, only 181 passing yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. And uh, the run game for the Vikings, only 46 total rushing yards accounted for in the game for Minnesota with no Justin Jefferson in the lineup for the Vikings. So the hope was that the Bears' defense would be able to key in on some of these pass catchers from Minnesota and make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. The hope that maybe a pass rush would be generated, and at times it was with the utilization of a, I suppose, a newfound Matt Eberflus blitz package. And as the second half really got going, you saw the Bears able to get after Cousins a little bit using some of that blitz pressure. And, of course, as you may know by now, Justin Fields, Bears starting quarterback, 6 out of 10 in the game, 58 yards, one interception, no touchdowns. He left the game with an injury to his right hand, reportedly the right thumb. Matt Eberflus said after the game when addressing the media, that they did x-ray the right hand. He termed it his right hand. Reports say the right thumb of Justin Fields. Those x-rays were negative, so apparently no broken bones. They will MRI it tomorrow. And Eberflus ended up uh, telling the media afterwards that Justin Fields wanted to return to the game, was not able to grip the football. And as a quarterback in the National Football League, if you can't grip the football, then it is difficult to be effective in those scenarios, even though the Bears passing attack wasn't doing a whole lot. Before that, but this was a a different challenge for Justin Fields, for the Bears' offense. And I I think I actually just said this across the street over on Fox 32. I just did a quick halftime hit with my guy Luke Nellis. And if there's anything positive to be taken from this game, it was another effective game of Bears' defense, another effective game of the Bears' rushing attack. Special teams certainly impacted the game. I would say advantage in the majority of those areas for the Bears throughout Another game where the Bears' run defense specifically was really good also. And having some of that experience return in the secondary, we saw that show up. And after two games where the passing attack was, at times, overwhelmingly explosive, just combustible, the Bears' passing attack, they were not able to get that going at all. Tyson Bagent ended up checking into the game at quarterback for the Bears. He was 10 out of 14 in the game, 83 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception as well. We'll get into all that throughout the time I'm here with you this evening. I will take you up to Sunday night football coverage on the score. Buffalo Bills hosting the New York Giants. So that will be what we'll get to pregame coverage of Sunday night football right around 630. So I got well over an hour with you here. 
feel free to give me a call at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Got my guy, Alex Kuhn, on the other side of the glass with me here. And we'll be with you. He'll be on the phone lines. We see the phone lines already lighting up uh, as many of you want to get involved in the conversation. A few initial thoughts on, on where things stand right now with the Bears at 1-5 and five on the season. I'll get out to the phone lines in a moment here. This is a game that, that felt pivotal for both the Vikings and the Bears and with Minnesota coming in, banged up without one of the, one of the best offensive weapons in football. And Kirk Cousins, you know, maybe being a quarterback at a crossroads in his mid-30s and, you know, having seemingly plateaued in Minnesota, maybe plateaued in his career. And if this sort of, you know, if this is his last dance, then how does he end up wanting to go out? And so, you know, sort of shortly at the end of the week, the reports about Kirk Cousins not wanting to waive his no-trade clause. So the idea is likely that Kirk Cousins will end up staying in Minnesota for the remainder of this season. And with that in mind, then it was an opportunity for the Vikings to try and salvage something for their season because so much of our conversation ends up turning into either a team is in Super Bowl contention or a team needs to tank. And those are like the only two options that a lot of folks see. There's not a lot of middle ground with the conversation here. So a lot of people are presuming that if the Vikings aren't going to win a Super Bowl, then how quickly can they tank? How quickly should they tank? And that, you know, I do find that a bit comical, but that's what, a lot of the discussion has turned into and from the perspective of the Bears, a pivotal game for them coming into today at home at Soldier Field because of now you've got a victory. There is some tangible evidence. They were back-to-back quality offensive performances and finally got a win to show for it, their first win in their last 15 games. So then can you stack that? Can you stack quality performances? Can you stack victories? And the offense, certainly the passing attack specifically did not Uh, take another step forward today. But like I referenced, the run game and the defense both did. It was interesting that the the secondary, you know, having Kyler Gordon back in there for the first time, you know, since the the preseason, having Eddie Jackson in for the first time since the opener, neither guy sort of manning the secondary towards the middle of the field was able to play every snap, and I think that's natural. Eberflus did say after the game that Eddie Jackson, with his – with his foot ailment that's kept him out of the lineup in recent weeks, he could have gone back into the game, but still not 100%. So we'll see what that ends up meaning for Eddie Jackson moving forward. And they seem to have Kyler Gordon on a bit of a pitch count as well. And I think Greg Stroman certainly performed well enough last week to to have the coaching staff, to have Matt Eberflew specifically on defense, willing to still rotate him in a bit as they kind of work Kyler Gordon back into the lineup. Now, on the offensive side, for Tevin Jenkins, now his second game, back in the lineup here, and Cody Whitehair having moved back into center. Something I talked about a good bit on the score last week, just the the fact that, you know, Cody Whitehair, even his first time around at center a few years ago when he was a starting center for the Bears, younger in his career, he was a guy who struggled with his shotgun snaps. That was a, a consistent part of the storyline of concerns for Cody Whitehair, even though he is effective as a blocker, Really, most of the places they put him, you know, not a not a dominant force, not a perennial Pro Bowl caliber interior offensive lineman, but a very versatile guy, a quality blocker, certainly an above average blocker. But at center, even though in recent years here, he's been the best center the Bears have had available more often than not. But those shotgun snaps end up becoming a problem, and it was a consistent problem yet again today. One thing that Matt Eberflew said specifically about that is he was posed the question, uh, when not only did the quarterback have to be changed because of the injury to Justin Fields, but we did see Lucas Patrick 
come back in at center. And what specifically did that mean? What went into that decision? Matt Eberflus ended up claiming that it was simply because Tyson Bajant was in at QB. He had worked more frequently in practice with Lucas Patrick, and it wasn't necessarily about all the errant snaps that were just flying to and fro every which away from Cody Whitehair. I, I think that's probably a, a, an extension of the truth. Perhaps those are uh, alternative facts from, uh, from Matt Eberflus. I, just, I, find that, I find that hard to believe that it wasn't a factor, even though, again, Cody Whitehair, an effective blocker. It's just it, it gets the playoff to such a stagnant start when you consistently, as a quarterback, have a snap that's going high, a snap that's going low, way left, way right. And uh, they did end up making a change back to Lucas Patrick after Tyson Bajant came in. It wasn't immediately. Bajant was in, I believe, the first series. Bajant was in there. And then there was a, you know, the strip sack fumble that went for a touchdown from the Vikings. And then from there, uh, Cody Whitehair ended up checking out. And Lucas Patrick checked in at center. But I do want to get to your calls in a moment here. Big picture-wise, Justin Fields and how quickly he's able to return to the lineup. Uh, I think the, the Bears are certainly not in a position where they're in in the heart of some sort of a playoff race where they feel they need to rush Justin Fields back in. I would imagine, especially just from everything I've seen at every level of Justin Fields' development, that he will certainly be eager to get back into the lineup because that's just the, the type of competitor he is and the type of sort of toughness and grit that he's always shown. But at one and five, the, the Bears are not in a position where they're in a division title chase, in a playoff chase. So as a franchise, this to me is a scenario where, where I think you save the player from himself because, you know, Justin Fields will likely be eager to rush back onto the field. But it doesn't aid Justin Fields if he's not, you know, with, as, as he's still trying to grow and develop as a passer, if he doesn't really have full use of his throwing hand, and then he's thrust back in there, then he may not be doing himself. He would likely be doing himself a disservice, would likely be doing the Bears a disservice unless he can truly prove that he can grip the ball adequately and rip the ball adequately as a quarterback and be able to throw it with confidence. So there will be a lot that goes into that that conversation, that decision, because this is it's, – it's not – it doesn't have to be the final year of evaluating Justin Fields. He is in year three. They have at least the fourth year and perhaps a fifth-year option that they can exercise there. I know the, the discussion has been, you know, where folks are trying to put this period or this finality on the, the evaluation of Justin Fields for this season. Uh, I just think that's just kind of where, where the modern consciousness has gone to, but that it certainly does not have to be that. There are plenty of examples, both past and modern, in football where a quarterback in his third season, it's not, you know, cut him or trade him or – pay him or anything like that they've they've got at least four and perhaps a fifth year to do that but that being said you would like to to have a a definitive a, a fair evaluation this season to decide if someone would come in and compete or supplant Justin Fields going towards next season so playing him banged up playing him injured that, that probably doesn't suit the Bears right now especially with that injury being to his throwing hand so a lot of factors that will go into that decision, not only for Justin Fields and him as a competitor and a tough guy and all that, but for the Bears as a franchise wanting to make sure that if they're putting him back in the lineup, that it is in a position to evaluate where he's at in as complete a manner as possible. 312-644-6767. Let's get a few phone calls in here before I take my first break because I certainly see some folks who have been on hold for a bit here. This is the Post Post Show. I'm Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score and uh see uh let's say and yeah andy looks like uh yeah andy 
Anderson out in Overland Park. Let's get Andy on the score here. What's happening, Andy? Hey, Anthony. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'm aggravated Bears fan right in the middle of Chiefs' kingdom, but one of the things you mentioned is how well the Bears ran the ball. I looked. They ran for 162 yards. The one really good drive they had in the first half, they literally ran the ball every play. First and goal at the eight, run for four yards, second and goal at the four, and they throw the ball twice and they have to settle for a field goal. Then, again, uh, you get a turnover, which is amazing. So you're in a position to have the lead at halftime. You have third and two. Again, they decide they're going to throw the ball instead of running it, which where they've had success. They throw an interception, Minnesota scores. And then at the end of the game, you've got first down, and you're going through a, for a home run ball when you could potentially run out the clock and win the game at the end, even if they hit that. Minnesota gets the ball with two minutes left and three timeouts, only needing a field goal. And my final point here really is about division games. The Bears have not won a division game since Thanksgiving Day in Detroit in 2021 when Andy Dalton filled in for Justin Fields. So here we are already in this season. They've had two division home games. They're 0-2. You are not going to have any kind of success unless you win division games because it's six every year. So – Obviously, it's going to be another long year, it sure looks like, because I don't see them winning another division game. This was their best chance. I appreciate it, Andy. That is a, a, a very all-encompassing call and, and a call that, uh, you know, as he initially turned himself a, a frustrated Bears fan in Chiefs country because he's watching this sort of championship dynasty play out with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and Andy Reid at coach and, you know, a team that even when they're playing poorly, like, you know, I'm sure – a lot of Chiefs fans feels like that uh, Kansas City played poorly against Minnesota last week, and the Vikings had a lot of chances to win that game, but they still found a way to come out with a dub there. So Andy's watching that play out and just seeing the, I'll use the term futility of the Bears, when you have a 14-game losing skid, and now it's you've lost 15 out of the last 16 at this point, then yes, I think futility suits where, where things have been for the last couple of seasons. Some of it's certainly on purpose, but uh, this is not all by design. We're certainly in a season here where the win-loss record matters more than it did last season when they were more definitively in, in tank mode. Uh, let's get another call in here. We've got Dave, who is out in Slinger. Dave, what's happening? You're on the score. Hi, Olin. How you doing? Hey, this is Anthony. What's up, Dave? Well, hi, Anthony. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, well, if, if we don't make the playoffs, what changes do you think? see them doing during the off season. I mean, it, look at our record. And I, when and we came so close to winning this game, if we do fail the playoffs, what, what changes do you see? So Dave, I think that the playoffs are certainly going to be a long shot at this point. It's not an overwhelming division that the bears are in, but I, I don't know that division title hopes are, are still, are still reasonably on the table for the bears here. So to answer your question, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think it depends on a couple of different things. It depends on how they're looking, who's developing, who's improving. The evaluation of Matt Eberflus, where a couple of weeks ago, and I'll get back into to this as well, probably a little bit later in the post-post show, but there's a conversation about Matt Eberflus a couple of weeks back, going into that Thursday night football game against the Washington Commanders, where the question was about whether or not he would, he would lose his job. Are they just going to leave him on the tarmac? And he wasn't going to be allowed to come back to Chicago from D.C. if they started 0-5 and lost that game in Washington. Never thought that was going to happen. Never thought that was a likelihood that, that anyone in the Bears, Brass, whether it's Kevin Warren or Ryan Poles or 
George McCaskey or whoever, you know, just five games into a season, the year after a, a tear down and rebuild approach. I, I didn't think we would see the Bears fire Matt Eberflus at that point. But again, referencing my guy Luke Canales, he did ask me uh, last weekend, I think on our, our Bears kickoff live show, if I thought Matt Eberflus saved his job. And my answer was no. Now, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think he saved his job because I don't think he was about to get fired going into that game at Washington. But also, he is in the process of getting evaluated, though. So, you know, in the, with the idea, at least in my mind, that he would likely be the coach at least through the remainder of this season. Do I think it's off the table that Matt Eberflus could lose his job after the year? Not by any stretch of the imagination. You know, if you, there was a caller earlier who said they, he doesn't think the Bears are going to win another game, certainly not a division game. If you go over in the division this season – is there any legitimate, tangible evidence at this point, at that point, that Matt Eberflus should continue to keep his job? It'd be a difficult case to make. So he he's under evaluation. The quarterback, as we've been discussing at infinitum, is, is certainly under evaluation, as are a lot of the other guys on the roster here. But if the Bears end up becoming this team that wins, you know, whatever, it, they could be, they could be a, a team that wins six or seven games or something like that by the end of the year, still have a losing record, but show growth. By the end, where they say, all right, here, here are some building blocks. Here are some growth pieces that we feel we can t- continue to work around. So uh, I think there's, there's a lot of room in there to the, the question of the, the caller, Dave, about what happens if the Bears miss the playoffs. There's not sort of a one-size-fits-all answer to that question because it really just kind of depends on, on how they look. Right now they are 1-5, so they're six games into a season – there's still a lot of questions, uh, a lot of answers that will still need to come to the questions about the Bears' current roster, what it looks like, and how they're evaluating both players and coaches moving forward between now and finishing up Game 17. Let's sneak in one more caller before I take a time out here at 312-644-6767. Ah, I see John out there in Dallas. We'll sneak John in before a time out here. What's happening, John? Hey, hey, Anthony, been a long time since I spoke to you. Listen, first of all, these guys messed up when they started the season, the way they play called. Then we look at from last Thursday night to, to today, and it's obvious what the problem is. These guys should be fired tomorrow morning. And I don't understand the organization, how they expect season ticket holders to constantly keep accepting this Incompetence when it comes to play calling. It's just too many errors. If last thing, last point. If we was making these kind of errors on our job, we'd be fired. I'll hang up and hear what you got to say. I appreciate you, John. And the, I, I've certainly been a, a voice, uh, a voice that, that's talked about. I've discussed in detail my concerns with the Bears' offensive play calling pretty frequently here. Uh, and I'll, as I get through this timeout, we're going to keep the phone lines open here at 312-644-6767. But I'll take my first time out. But when, when I come back, I will, uh, to, to John and Dallas's point about the play calling, I, I did feel like there was some regression there. Now, I talked about the opening game of the season where I thought that game against Green Bay in week one was the worst game Luke Getze had called as, as a Bears offensive coordinator and play caller. I didn't think today was that, but I didn't think today was as good as the last two weeks either. And I will detail why 
after a timeout here, and we will get to a lot of the other callers. I see Steve. I see Josh. I see another Josh. I see a lot of folks on the phone lines who want to get involved in this Bears conversation. I will certainly allow you to do that as I prepare to take you up to Sunday Night Football coverage. I'm Anthony Heron. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Pressure coming here, and the ball is out. It's still free, and the Vikings pick it up. Down the sideline, goes Jordan Hicks, and Hicks is in for the scoop and score for the Minnesota Vikings. We're back. Live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Our thanks to Fox Sports for that audio. I got Brandon Garden, Robert Smith on the call there. 30th anniversary of Fox Sports. I like how they've been weaving in a few of the retrospective little clips throughout the season as they're celebrating their 30th year of covering the NFL on Fox. So, I mean, uh, some of that was fun, I guess, as any any highlight as a viewer, but 13 points, not exactly what Bears fans were hoping for when they either tuned in to Fox Sports to watch the Bears or certainly those who showed up in full throat at Soldier Field today to watch the Bears who lost to the Minnesota Vikings 19-13. to I'm Anthony Heron on the post-post show Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here on The Score between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. You will hear that pregame coverage begin on The Score before the national broadcast of the game itself. And make sure that you tune in to Bears Monday. Tune in all day Monday for reactions to Bears versus Vikings. Gabe Ramirez will be live overnight tonight from midnight to 5 a.m., followed by Mully and Haw. Bernstein and Holmes and Parkinson Spiegel throughout your workday. So hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game, Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. So one of the, the previous callers that we had, I'll get back out to the phone lines here in a moment at 312 644 6767. 312 644 6767. But one of the, the previous callers said that he doesn't believe the Bears can win a division game uh, with missing this opportunity today. And I mean, it's 10 home losses in a row for the Bears. So anybody who was out there to, to watch them, you know, the, the losing streak came to an end on the road 
last game out against Washington. And this opportunity is another one-score game, one-score loss, this one at home. So it's been 10 games in a row now that the Bears have come out on the losing end at Soldier Field. And so I, I can certainly understand where it is difficult to imagine the Bears will actually win a game here. You go back to the Denver game, the previous home game, where they had set up every opportunity for themselves. They had earned the right to close that game with a win, and they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, and everybody left Soldier Field with a big frown on their face then. And today uh, was not a game that they were in control of, that they were dominating at any point, but certainly did feel like this game a little bit different where it was the, the Bears' defense giving them every opportunity, the Bears' special teams setting him up for, for chances to win this game. Even moments like a, a blocked extra point from Rasheem Green, who's now had multiple kick blocks this season. Impressive for a team putting the effort in that the Bears are putting in. Still, to me, what is at issue is, is some, of the, some of the elements of, of focus, some of the elements of, of, of execution with precision that you would really like a, a team to be further along with by this point in the season, now six games in. And I think that's certainly worthy of concern. Uh, but I, I'm, not a, I'm not of the impression that the Bears are going to go over this season. Uh, but but uh, which game it would be and to have all the any abundant confidence that is going to take place in any in particular game, I, I certainly understand why folks don't think it's, it's going to go well because that's what the results have been as of late. I see a team that's getting – Better, but not a team that's certainly willing to uh, ready, ready to do anything big from a win-loss perspective this season. Do wonder who else is on that same page, just in evaluating where things are at with this ball club, though. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Steve out in Johnsburg has been on hold for quite a while. Let's get Steve involved in the conversation. What's happening, Steve? Hey man, I just have a quick question about like confidence. Yes. When they hit that 53-yard field goal, but they ran it right before. Was that not confidence in Justin Fields, or was it we think we got a hole there? Ah, And what that does to the O-line, because I know that gives them confidence. So, yeah, 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 just what that run means. Okay, so a specific moment in the game. I actually checked, I'll pull up the – the play-by-play here just to make sure. So, yes, it was a it was, like it was a third and seven. They're still in the first half of the game, a third and seven, and the Bears ended up running the ball. They operated out of the shotgun, gave it to Darrington Evans up the middle. They gained a few yards and then ended up attempting a – and Cairo Santos, still perfect on the season, drills a 53-yard field goal. So, usually what you're hoping to accomplish in a moment like that, Steve, is that you're, you're hoping maybe even get what we did see in that last game out against Washington where there were multiple third and mediums or even a third and long that got converted by a run play. But in the least, you're kind of hoping at third and seven, if you run the football because you have a, a light box, you evaluate the defense in a way where you say, we actually got a chance to make something happen on the ground here, even if we don't move the sticks, but maybe we get to fourth and one. And we have seen now a couple of weeks in a row where the tush push is something the Bears have implemented in their short yarded scenarios. And so with that in mind, if they do, if you get a nice game, but don't quite move the sticks and you get to a fourth and one, then maybe you can tush push your way into a first down. So I would imagine that that was part of the conversation. Usually a head coach will talk to the offensive play caller about that, letting them know, Hey, if we get a certain gain here on third down, then we'll attempt this fourth down. So they ran the ball there on third and seven. They only gained three yards. So as opposed to a fourth and four, there's no reason to be confident that you'd pick that up. 
He attempted the 53-yarder, and Cairo Santos made him made him look smart for that decision by drilling that one. Uh, but, yeah, I appreciate the, the question. It was a very specific question about a specific moment in the game, so I'm glad we got to you on that. A 312-644-6767. Josh out in Plainfield has been on hold for a bit. Let's get Josh involved in the convo. What's happening, Josh? Hey, what's happening, man? Listen, man, it's simple. It's not simple. I got a couple things, all right? I'm over it, okay? The Bears stink. They're going to stink for a while. The head coach sucks. Everything is bad. Now, did you notice, though, when Fields went out and they brought that kid in, he wasn't hesitating. He was just letting it fly. Strong arm, just letting it fly. Now, listen, I'm not saying he's Joe Montana, okay? I'm not saying he's better than Justin Fields. I'm not saying anything like that. But he made his decision, and he let it fly. You give this kid a week with the starters. Let's see what happens. And, and I want your opinion, man. Let's be honest on this show. Justin Fields sucks. He doesn't have it. People are open, and he's not getting rid of the ball. It's terrible. The caller before is talking about field goals. The other caller is talking about playoffs. Are we, who are you kidding, man? Who are you crapping? Playoffs. And number, another thing, number 58, the right tackle? Bro, go flip some burgers, man. He can't block if his life depended on it. You know it. You played the game at a high level. Be honest. He sucks. 58 is just fat, out of shape, and is terrible. I'll hang up and listen to your thing. I enjoy your show, buddy. Have a good day. All right, Josh. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell anyone they're not allowed their own opinion. I'm allowed to disagree with it as well. Uh, Darnell Wright as a rookie, a right tackle, a lot of ability. Gotten beat in games before. Got beat in the game today. Uh, I, I do think that we've kind of, again, in a similar way to what the conversation I was kind of having earlier about this this sort of all-or-nothing approach to the, the sports conversation. You know, it's, it's not unique to the Bears. It's not unique to uh, a team who's lost a game. It's just kind of what things have turned into. Uh, Darnell Wright, and I'm not alone in this opinion, but I'll, I'll just voice my opinion for myself. He's a rookie right tackle that shows a lot of promise that has had some exceptional blocks. I mean, you know, I'm you – know, you can take pro football focus for what it is for their, their grading that that's just opinion based. Their grading service also, it's just, it's not some, you know, sort of all encompassing metric. You have, they have football people who watch the film and break that down and give their opinion on whether or not someone executed their assignment. But that being said, you know, part of the conversation uh, from PFF and some other services are that down there. Right. At the moment, by comparison to other rookie tackles in football is grading out as the, the most productive, most consistent rookie tackle, in the league again, according to those services. Now, my my evaluation of Darnell Wright is that he's he's been, you know, for the most part, a a, a really dependable run blocker, and I think at times his athleticism, his quickness shows in pass protection as well. He right now, I think probably his main struggle is when the assignment isn't immediately apparent to him. You'll see him give up some inside pressure. I think some of the miscommunication, whether it's being been between himself and a tight end at times with Cole Komet. Uh, today there were some times where it was himself and the running back seemed to have some miscommunication on some of those additional blitz pressures that were coming from the Vikings. And, you know, I mean, Justin Fields sucks. Oh, okay. I mean, again, Josh has allowed his opinion. He is the same guy who threw you know, eight touchdown passes over the last two games. You want to look for that consistently. And so that's a part of what the Bears as an organization will have to keep evaluating there. But – to to say that a, a guy is completely done or that he sucks after the the numbers that we've seen Justin Fields putting up over the last couple of weeks and folks love stats I, I tend to view things even beyond the statistical end of things but Justin Fields didn't throw the ball well today didn't read the field well today uh, so there's no doubt about that but 
you know, to he sucks, Darnell Wright sucks, that sort of thing. Again, you know, I understand. Folks get uh, folks get wrapped up in this thing looking for that that finality on a rookie right tackle who's played six NFL games that he's done, and he should go flip burgers six games into his career. But that, that's why uh, that's why we have Sports Talk Radio. Everybody's allowed to to sound off on occasion. Let's take a, a time out here before I get you to the bottom of my first hour here with you on the Pulse Pulse Show. Again, taking you up to a Bears Monday here on the score. You'll hang out with us all day tomorrow on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank, and it's not a game, Illinois.com. Phone lines are still lit up at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Bears go down to the Vikings, their 10th home loss in a row. Soldier Field, there was no joy in the South Loop as they left the lakefront today. I'm Anthony Heron. This is the Post Post Show on the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I love what Justin Fields was saying about us. He's quiet and, you know, he's just he's a, a little bit goofy. <laughs> but the guy just plays, man. He just plays, and it's that run after the catch that makes him so dangerous. This time, Bajan looking for him again. Can he hold on to that? My goodness, he did. He took a huge hit from Cam Bynum. But a great catch for 24 yards by Moore. That audio, courtesy of Fox Sports, was uh, the, I believe, the longest pass completion of the day from Tyson Bajan to DJ Moore. DJ Moore took a big hit on that one, too, but he held on to the football. We've seen his ability to, his willingness to take those shots as he, uh, you know, just the, I tend to describe it in two different ways. Some receivers, I believe, have quiet hands where they just, where they catch the ball sort of smoothly, confidently, almost like the football just doesn't make any noise when it hits their fingertips. It just looks very sort of silky as they're as they're receiving the ball in. Other guys I term as having strong hands. And DJ Moore is certainly a guy who has showcased very strong hands in his time, his short time here with the Bears. And that strength is displayed in a variety of ways, not only in the way he receives the football and the ability to, the willingness to hang on to one, taking a, a pretty mammoth hit in his back. And it's not the first time this season we've seen him able to do that. But then certainly the, the combination of strength and speed show with his ability to run after the catch. So he, he is a more than capable number one pass receiver. And it's one of these things where, you know, we talk about whether or not for the receiver position, is this a number one receiver? How, how exactly do you define that? Is, is DJ Moore one of the, the top five receivers in football? Probably not, but is this a guy who 
a a high-level offense can be built around with him as the main pass catcher, I, I don't have any doubt about that. You know, and, and his versatility is a huge part of why. And that that to me is what what bothers me a bit about about the game plan today because the the stagnance of the pocket, the the pocket based passing attack that I thought Luke Getze went back to for a lot of the game today. Now he, he got some QB run going and he went back to it you know, pretty frequently. So I liked that, but then I just I don't understand why the pocket didn't move more. And again, I'm sure I'll talk about this with uh, with Dan and Lawrence as I'm on with Bernstein and Holmes tomorrow, but movement of the pocket isn't just about the sort of hard play action, show it on the stretch zone, quarterback's back is to the defense, and then he's looping around through the backfield. We did see Tyson Bajan uh, getting to do that at one point today, but just straight QB power, QB sweep, those things from a run game perspective, we saw the Bears mixing some of that in. But I, I still feel like what we saw for multiple weeks against both Denver and Washington with misdirection in the backfield with, you know, sprint action and and boot action and just things that the launch point was not pocket-based. When you have a blitz package that the Bears are having difficulty just sort of dissecting and figuring out where different rushers from the second and third level were going to come from, then I thought that continued to be an issue for them in pass protection throughout both with Justin Fields and – with Tyson Bajan. But I thought Luke Getze, the, probably the main issue I had with the offense today, I thought the run game was effective. Deontay Moore uh, ran, Deontay Foreman ran really, really hard. But I thought from a passing perspective, when you have a quarterback who wasn't, didn't seem to be seeing it that well today, it's in the first time we've seen an example of Justin Fields starting to pat the ball and protection broke down as well. So we got back to that combination of the passing game had a, a stagnant pocket, a stagnant launch point, and if he's not cutting it loose really quickly, Rush is getting home, you know, Tevin Jenkins getting beat on loop stunts and all these different types of things that ended up leading to big problems for the Bears in trying to throw the football. Get into some more detail on some of that and talk specifically about Tyson Bajant, my impression of him. First impressions of Tyson Bajant as a regular season quarterback. And judging on the phone lines, I believe some of you have some thoughts on some of those things as well. So we'll get back to some open phone lines here also at the top of the hour, 312-644-6767. San Anthony here, and I'm taking you up to Sunday night football coverage here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I thought that the, the game, you know, played out, uh, you know, the way we wanted it to in, in some spots, um, but uh, we need to do a better job with the ball. Uh, you know, we obviously giving the ball away that many times, uh, certainly at minus two. Uh, that's a hard. That's a hard way to win, um, and the percentages aren't in your favor. You know, so the defense has to get it out more, and uh, we got to do a better job of protecting it uh, in terms of that. But uh, um, good. Th- there's some good things in there, but obviously uh, didn't get the W and disappointed in that. Um, and we'll see where we are with the injuries going forward. We're back live with more Anthony Harris on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That was the voice of Bears head coach Matt Eberflus addressing the media after the game. Talking about the turnover differential, statistically, the Bears were only credited with one takeaway in the game. Minnesota Vikings had three takeaways in the game. Two interceptions, one from each quarterback who played in the game, and the fumble that was lost by Tyson Bajant that went for a touchdown from the Vikings. I mean, you look at the Bears offense, outscored the Vikings offense. Well, that's positive, right? We're going to be glasses half full here. They gave up a, a touchdown from your own offense, though. That is a, that is certainly an issue, an issue that has plagued the Bears, whether it has been Justin Fields at quarterback or 
the moment from Tyson Bajan in limited action today. But I thought on the whole, Tyson Bajan for a rookie in his first action, I thought he handled himself well. I mean, you know, I'm not going to overstate it. You throw a, a crucial interception at a critical juncture in the game, that's no good in the fourth quarter, and get a strip sack where you're not protecting the ball with proper mechanics in the pocket, having two hands around it. They force the fumble, they scoop it up, they run it to the end zone, and that's obviously, that is suboptimal. But aside from the the undrafted part and the Division II part, like that's certainly a part of the the resume as an amateur athlete of Tyson Bates. And from a storyline perspective, I think it, it's cool and it matters. But he is he's a rookie quarterback in the NFL. He's the Bears' backup quarterback. So they have they have put him in number two for a reason. And so just evaluating him through the lens of being a rookie NFL quarterback, getting his first regular season NFL action, I thought he handled himself pretty well. Um, what I do like, and, you know, I'm keeping this in the context. Anthony Heron here on the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. I'm thinking back to, you know, I'm old enough to think back to way many years ago when Jay Cutler was still the Bears quarterback, and it had gotten to the point where he was the starting quarterback for the Bears for long enough where Bears fans were were kind of done with Jay Cutler. They were kind of ready to move on, and he, he was getting banged up his last couple of years, so he's missing some time here and there. And we were like, there, there were times where Matt Barkley was in the game at quarterback for the Bears, and just something looked a little different about Matt Barkley being in there quarterback. There was a little bit more, like, quick, rhythmic nature to the Bears' passing attack. And the next thing you know, Matt Barkley's trending on Twitter. Bears fans just hearts a flutter about Matt Barkley being in there. Brian Hoyer, I can think to Brian Hoyer at times being in there at quarterback, and he'd lead a couple of first down drives. Like, look at him reading the field and getting the ball out on time. Isn't this awesome? Brian Hoyer trending on Twitter when he's in the lineup for the Bears at quarterback. Of course, neither Matt Barkley or Brian Hoyer were, were sustained with any success as a quarterback for the Bears or, frankly, anywhere else as a professional quarterback. Um, so I do want to temper what I'm saying here about Tyson Bajan. But I did think for a rookie quarterback in his first regular season NFL action, I thought he handled himself well. I thought he showed the same type of, of presence and wherewithal that in, in this short time as a pro athlete that folks have evaluated about him. I thought he, he threw the ball with confidence. Uh, he was too frequently, in my opinion, in limited action, careless with the football. Not only the the pocket mechanics of not having multiple hands, not having both hands around the football, but just sort of flinging the ball into the air. That's, you know, I, I'm, real, I'm surprised by that in a guy in his first regular season NFL action. So I, I'm trying to view it through the, through the prism that I think it deserves of, I think as Luke Getzey goes back and watches that film with Tyson Bajan, he's certainly going to say, like, hey, man, even the one where, uh, where you had Tyler Scott come back and, and make a reception on it that just looks like Tyson Bajan is trying to throw it away. I mean, the, the mechanics on that where he's starting to run backwards into the pocket and then he just sort of turns at the last moment and flings the ball into the air and it ends up working out well. And I don't know, it's the types of things that I guess Patrick Mahomes, I'll use the term, gets away with frequently enough. But, you know, Tyson Bajan ain't Patrick Mahomes. So until he's got some MVPs and some Super Bowl championships, then I'm going to say that, that's a bad decision. Uh, just like Caleb Williams. And, you know, I'm sure that discussion will be had plenty on the station throughout the coming week here between him facing Notre Dame and then Justin Fields being banged up and what that means to the Bears as a whole. But 
there, there, there are things that like Steph Curry as a perimeter shooter and ball handler in the NBA, whereas a lot of folks trying to do the Steph Curry thing, that Steph Curry is, is the greatest to play the game the way that he plays it. And there are other guys who can pull some of that stuff off, but just don't do it like Steph. And Patrick Mahomes, I think, has had a similar impact on the quarterback position where there are guys who you know, get compared to him. You see the arm slot changing and they're doing things off script. And like, hey, can he do what Patrick Mahomes does? The answer up until now is for everyone else is no. So Tyson Bagent, I would like to see him be less careless in some of those scenarios. But I did think there was a lot of positive with the way that he handled himself in the game today against that Vikings blitz package. would like to see him certainly have both hands around the football in the pocket when he feels the pocket breaking down. But in multiple scenarios here, the one that Tyler Scott came back and caught, I don't know, that, that just seemed ill-advised to me, but it ended up being a reception. And as he's climbing the pocket, now he did, he, he had some pressure. He sort of climbed the pocket into pressure in his face. He recognized on the interception a one-on-one matchup between DJ Moore and, and Byron Murphy, and it ended up becoming an interception because it was so underthrown. But he kind of ran himself as he climbed the pocket, sort of ran himself into a small collision, into some pressure in the pocket. So whether that's just, you know, again, a guy making his first, getting his first regular season action, is he a little bit antsy as he's climbing the pocket? Can he, I, I got to, you know, I'll take a chance to go back and actually look at the film and evaluate his mechanics on the play a little more, you know, in, in a little more detail, but it seemed to me just sort of watching the TV copy that perhaps there was a chance for him to plant his foot and cut the ball loose as opposed to as he climbs the pocket, he kind of runs himself into some contact with a defender, and then the ball comes up much shorter than I believe he intended it to come, and it leads to an interception that ended up effectively sealing the game for the Vikings. And you don't want to see a guy, you don't want to see any quarterback being a bit careless with the football. So if that if that interception was kind of the only moment that that felt maybe potentially turnover worthy, then I'd say, okay, well, you know, that's just a, a guy who didn't expect to get hit while he was delivering the football. But I thought there were a few moments where Tyson Bajan looked a bit careless with his mechanics or with the football on the whole. But again, it's a guy in his first action. I do like how quick and sharp his release is. He seems to be a guy who sees the field well and throws with some anticipation. And, you know, just like the the snaps are going all over the place when Justin Fields was in there, quarterback, there were a few errant shotgun snaps that Tyson Bajan had to manage, and he didn't seem to, you know, sort of be overwhelmed by that either. So there, there seems to be a presence about him. There's a, a quickness and a, and a sharpness to his delivery of the football. He gets the laces really quickly and even a couple of moments where, you know, kind of some now routes where he didn't even – really take the time to get the laces, but he could still deliver the football sharply and get it into the hands of his playmakers. So I thought there was more, again, grading him on a curve as a rookie in his first NFL action. I thought there was more positive than negative with Tyson Bagent. I mean, you know, we had a caller earlier saying like, oh, what does it matter? Just put him in there. Justin Fields sucked. Uh, I'm certainly not in that camp in the least, but I do believe that the Bears need to evaluate the bigger picture of their quarterback and and whether or not rushing Justin Fields back into the lineup because they may feel he still gives them the best chance to win the game. But if he can't fully, completely, competently grip the football, then I don't think that's a situation you you should put Justin Fields in. I don't believe that's a situation that really suits the team as a whole because uh, 
just through the lens of, of continuing to evaluate him at this point in his career and whether or not he is going to have the opportunity to continue to be the Bears quarterback of the future, then him being out there and being healthy, I think suits the, the future goals of the organization better than going out there and him really not being able to use his throwing hand. And already, it's one thing where I remember a time in Brett Favre's career where he had already won like an MVP or two and he could barely, he could barely hold the football with his right thumb. So he like taped it up and played through a season with a, a damaged right thumb. And that was actually, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a part of what led to him getting addicted to painkillers for a short period of time in, in his career. But, you know, for Green Bay with Super Bowl aspirations and a franchise, a, you know, defined franchise quarterback who had already mastered the position at the NFL level, that's a different discussion than where Justin Fields is at in his development Anthony, right before now. we move on, can I give you a little piece of news regarding one of those former Chicago Bears backup quarterbacks oh, and yeah. the Bears opponent next week? Real oh, quick. yeah. What you got, Alex? So the, the Las Vegas Raiders defeated mm-hmm. – the the New England Patriots twenty one seventeen. Jimmy Garoppolo left the game. Uh oh. And it wasn't Aiden O'Connell that went in. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer went so, in. Did he light it up? Uh, he went. I'm I'm gonna pull up his his stat line really quickly. He went six of ten for 102 yards. Didn't have a touchdown or interception. But we are looking at the possibility of Bajan versus Hoyer. Oh next man. Next weekend. How good would that be? Because each guy has been all over Twitter. You look at me over the past decade here. But Brian Hoyer had his his brief moment in the sun as a Bears backup QB. And perhaps Tyson Bagent is preparing to saunter his way into the sunlight as the Bears quarterback as well. 312-644-6767. Appreciate you adding that, that context to the conversation there. Alex, let's go back out to the phone line. I see Pat is out there in Norris. Let's get Pat on the horn here. Pat, what's happening? Hey, how you doing? Hey, first of all, I agree completely with you on what you talked about with Getty. But let, I got a few points here. Number one, Caleb Williams, I want nothing to do with him. Yelling at us. You, when you win Super Bowls like Tom Brady, then you yell at your offensive line. When you're a college quarterback, that's not what you do. I want no part of him. I'm good with Justin Fields. We need to put him in a better position. I think today the Bears defense knew they were going to win. And, and we gave up, and, and that's my problem with Getsy. Like, how about we just win the game today? Roll him out. Wet, I'm not saying run him. Just get him out of the pocket because the way Minnesota was blitzing, they weren't blitzing with the exception of Harrison Smith off the edge. They were blitzing inside. And it really showed not having a quality center. I counted 10 bad snaps. And when you start off the, the play with a bad snap, your eyes go to the ball, they come off the defense, throws off the timing of everything. And then, you know, that just starts the snowball rolling. My other issue is this, and you're a defensive lineman. When is it, since when do offensive linemen not block defensive linemen and block linebackers <laughs> and leave defensive linemen for the running back? That's not a rule. I coached high school football. That's not a rule. Big on big, let the running back handle the linebackers. And one more point, do we know what a sit route is? They were bringing pressure up the middle and playing zone behind it. All Cole Komet needs to do is turn around a curl route, replace that linebacker that just blitzed, and we can march the ball up and down the field. That's what I'm talking about, Getsy. 
Just do what they're giving you. If we would have scored one touchdown, we would have won the game. In fact, if we didn't give up that sack fumble uh, or that fumble scoop and score, we would have won the game by one point. The Bears knew that. Without Justin Jefferson, they weren't going to be able to run. They weren't going to be able to pass. We just let it go. But anyway, I'm riding with Justin Fields. I don't want to start over with Caleb Williams. I want no part of him. I appreciate you, Pat. Yeah, I think that was a good context call as well. We had a good call earlier, I believe, in the post post show here with some context that had a more negative outlook on things. I felt like that was a good call with context from more of a, well, I don't know if I'll overly call it a positive uh, context, but but I think some some detail about what, what he feels like the Bears could still accomplish, could have accomplished in some of these scenarios today. So I thought uh, that was another good caller that we had here on the post post show that was Pat out in uh, in Norridge. And I, I'll – I'll say thing. Uh, I'll say this uh, as it relates to the protection. I was referencing Darnell Wrights. We had a caller earlier saying that he he's done with Darnell Wright. He thinks he's trash and he's too big or whatever else and flipping burgers and all this other stuff. Um, Darnell Wright is an uber talented right tackle, uh, but that particular play that ended up leading to Justin Fields as he he was trying to like I mentioned Tyson Bajan trying to attack that one on one matchup between DJ Moore and Byron Murphy. He recognized that and sort of climbed the pocket into jeopardy and then the ball comes up short for Tyson Bajant and that leads to the essentially the game clinching interception Justin Fields interception earlier in the game what the the caller Pat was talking about there the responsibility you're normally trying to have big on big if you're going to end up with a back on a on a bigger defender on a defensive lineman you normally don't want it to be on the interior, and for whatever reason, it appeared to be a miscommunication. I think even Matt Eberflus was asked about it after the game, and he may have referenced that as a miscommunication between Darnell Wright and Deontay Foreman, where for whatever reason, his Foreman chips the the interior as opposed to the edge, and it ended up where he didn't even chip. He ended up having the defensive end one-on-one, and Darnell Wright ends up taking the linebacker uh, who was coming off the edge, and it's just it's it's not a – it's not a comfortable matchup for a running back to go chest up on a defensive lineman. He just sits him on top of Justin Fields, and the ball pops up into the air as Justin Fields was trying to attack. And they, they had advanced the ball pretty close to the end zone. I don't remember the exact yard line, but you know, basically he was going to try to throw a touchdown pass to D.J. Moore. They were close enough to the end zone where he was trying to attack the Moore-Murphy matchup, but he gets hit by the defender because of the matchup with Foreman and ball pops into the air and the Vikings end up intercepting that. So still, there's still a variety of those examples that come up where it just seems like the O-line and the running backs aren't on the same page. And, you know, to Deontay Foreman's credit, I thought he ran the ball hungry today. He ran the ball with force. We had a couple of callers earlier wondering why we didn't run the football even more. I mean, I think on the whole, there were, there were 36 rushing attempts in the game, 24 passing attempts in the game. Ran for over 160 yards. So, on the whole, I, I didn't necessarily have a big issue with the run-pass balance. I think we kind of get into this results-based uh, reaction to it where there was only 13 points scored and the more successful area was the run game. So, why didn't we run it more? I mean, you know, you got a guy putting the ball in the end zone. Like, there was a couple of times where Deontay Foreman was close to, like, breaking freeze, like a shoestring away from really getting into the open field. But frankly, that's just kind of who Deontay Foreman is in his career. He's that guy who, man, he runs with force. I've talked about being excited about him, you know, being this imposing presence. And he was that. And he's a guy who, when he gets carries, there's certain tacklers that are just going to be tired of running into into Deontay Foreman because he he can be this imposing physical runner. 
but he's not someone who gets into the open field and breaks long runs and, you know, is a touchdown waiting to happen here. Doesn't mean he's not effective, though. We did see that. But the all-around, the all-purpose abilities as a pass receiver, pass protector, that's where there's still some room for growth for Deontay Foreman. So he really had some nice moments in the game, but unfortunately the position he was in there in pass protection didn't necessarily favor him against a defensive lineman, and that was one of the one of the turnovers in the game, that interception from Justin Fields, uh, where the, the defender ends up being able to collision him by just a defensive end running over a running back. 312-644-6767. Let's get out to Tim, who's in Wisconsin, with some thoughts on the Bears quarterback position that we're discussing right now. What's happening, Tim? What's going on, Big Ant? What's up? Just wanted to hit on a, actually on a couple things. First, Tyson Bajan, the Bears offensive line, and the coaching staff. You know, the Bears just came out of this little mini bye week, you know, going in, facing Minnesota, knowing that they are one of the top blitzing teams in the league. And they came out, and they looked flat. They came out, they didn't look like they knew what they were doing at all. Protection was just terrible the entire game. Second, Tyson Bajant coming in, I I agree with you fully. He handled himself perfectly well. It was hard to see at the end of that – when he threw that interception, did he get hit as he was throwing the ball? It looked like it. Yeah, I believe he did, Tim. It, it, you know, I really couldn't tell live. Um, but I think he handled himself perfectly fine. And the last one, the coaching staff. No adjustments ever. You know, it's like a cliche thing, you know, fans talk about. They didn't make any adjustments, but they, but did they? I didn't see any. Did you? Yeah, from an adjustment perspective, no. Today was not a day, and I appreciate it, Tim. I don't think today was a, a day where we saw – a lot of quality adjustments from the coaching staff. You know, I, I don't think today is necessarily indicative of something that's a, a weekly basis where there's never any adjustments. I believe defensively, Matt Eberflus, we saw, you know, going back to the Washington game, that's the one win or whatever. But I don't think it's the only game where we have seen times where maybe the pass rush is is lacking. And so he ramped up the blitz pressure in that game against the commanders. I felt like today's game, I, I was curious what the what the second half was going to bring from a – from a Justin Fields movement perspective, there were a couple of times, there was at least once that stands out to me in past completion that Tyson Bagent had off of a bootleg action. But, um, you know, he's he's mobile enough as Tyson Bagent where that can still be, I believe, should still be a part of the Bears' offensive game plan moving forward. If Tyson Bagent has to start a game or games at quarterback for the Bears, he, as far as I can tell, what we've seen in limited action between preseason and now today, even off the, the zone read, we saw him keep the ball at one point and turn the corner and gain some yardage. He's mobile enough for the pocket to move. And just like I've talked about with Justin Fields, where as a quarterback developing as a full field reader, where you want to take not only that physical pressure off, but the mental pressure off, that, that makes a big difference for a guy when he just can have a mental break and just say, all right, I'm reading half the field. I'm throwing it to one or two, or I'm going to keep the football, as opposed to being so pocket-based. We'll see what it ends up being, but everyone's waiting to hear how things are going to materialize with Justin Fields. Make sure that you end up tuning in for Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank, and it's not a game, Illinois.com. I appreciate all the callers out there on the hotline. I appreciate my Hawkeye, Alex Kuhn, as well. Sean Sears, I believe, will be involved in taking you throughout the rest of the evening because Sunday night football coverage is on the way between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. I'm Anthony Heron. This has been the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.